All right, welcome to a new episode of Guys Who Law. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jesse. And we got a special guest today. Very special. Our, our friend, Allura Nanos. Allura's welcome. one of my favorite people on earth. Hey, Allura. Hi, guys. So happy to be here. Now, let's just say it took forever to try to schedule this because <laughs> Allura is the most busy person on the planet. Or the uh, most unreliable. No, let's no. go with busy. <laughs> we, we brought Allura on for a couple of reasons. One, because we love her and we wanted her to have beyond to talk about a number of different subjects. But number two, her career as an attorney, an entrepreneur, and TV personality is so off the beaten path that there's people out there who are like, oh, if you get a legal degree, like what could you do with it that's not just working at a law firm from six in the morning until 10 at night, and Allura's on to talk about it. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot well, to unpack there. Uh, first, I wanna let everybody know a little bit about Allura. So Allura, the most important thing that we can tell you is that she is a flutist. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most important thing. Aside from being an attorney and a New Yorker, she is a flutist. Where, where do you uh, perform the flute? Where, I thought you were going <laughs> to say, where do you flute? Um, I, I am the president and resident piccolo player and flutist uh, for the Philharmonic of Southern New Jersey, wow. which is an 85-piece symphony orchestra in Southern New Jersey. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wait, and how long, how long have you been doing that? Well, I've been with that group. I've been performing. This is my 12th season, and this is my first season as the president. I was just inaugurated as the president. Wow. So I have big plans. Congrats. Get out here. Thank you. Thank you. How do you get people involved in the flute, which I find, <laughs> how do we make it more acceptable in society today? <laughs> to be because a you want people to get into flute. You just can't get <laughs> them anymore. I'm trying to press people into the harp, and it's, it's the not harp working. is good stuff, though. The yeah. harp, you get all kinds of wedding gigs. You can make a fortune play in the harp. Yeah, flute's a little different, you know. But look, it's light, it's compact. Everybody That's loves true. it. That's true. Easy to carry around. Yeah, come yeah. on. Plus, you know, it's it's cool-ish. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Shush. So, so, but besides the flute, though. Yeah. Allura has written books. Yep. I have. You've practiced in the public sector and the in the private sector. Yeah. And you've been on a TV show. Yeah. And you, you're currently on TV, too. Yep. So Wait, let's just start from the television show. So you had a show on the OWN Network? On the Oprah Winfrey Network, on OWN. OWN, yep. OWN. And when was that? Uh, 2011, 2012. Can you explain to us how that happened? So my one of my favorite questions is when someone says to me, oh, you know, you had your own TV show. How did you do that? Because... The way I did it, I have learned since then that this is really not how anyone does it. This is only how I did it. Um, I was I owned a business with a friend of mine for many years, and um, that business was primarily aimed at tutoring law school students to help them get good grades in law school. So to do that, I had to know everything about every area of law to the degree that a professor would know it and be able to make it fun and exciting. So when I was learning and looking for ways to expand that business, I was like all ears, like how am I gonna get this business to get to the next level? So one of the things I did was connect with women's business owners and entrepreneur coaches and all those kind of people. And in those circles, I met Nell Merlino, who is the woman who created Take Your Daughter to Work Day. And she said, you're fabulous. Here's what you should do, you should get on TV. And I was like, I don't understand. Like I'm teaching contract law. Like what? What? And you've never done TV before. before. No. Like why would I be on? The only thing I would ever think of to be a performer was to be a musician. Never been on TV. I've never even been in a class play. So I was like, that's such a nice compliment. Like I don't know why I would do that, but it's. But thank you. And she was like, it's not a compliment. It's advice. And I was trying to be all ears and like really listen. And I really respected her. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm not gonna ask why I should get on TV. She seems to think this is an important step. So how do I do that? And she said, I have no idea. You're a lawyer, you can figure it out. 
<laughs> so I went home and um, Googled, how do you get on TV? Well, <laughs> Google, of course. I the, asked uh, the Google. The number one <laughs> answer for all of life's right. problems. And it said, find a production company. So I then Googled, what's a production company? Because I literally had no idea how this works. And it came up like, you know, a bunch of production companies in New York. And I called the first one and they weren't home. And then I called the second one. Sounds legit. Yeah. (laughs) I called the second one and had some kind of like rambling conversation that they clearly didn't understand. And that didn't go well. And the third one, (laughs) the third one, I said, listen, I don't know what this conversation is about. I don't know if I'm asking you to hire me or if I'm hiring you. I have no idea what it is that we're even trying to get to here. But someone said I should be on TV. So do you think you could tell me what it is I'm asking so that the next person I call, I sound like less of an idiot? (laughs) And they said, hold on. And they came back. They said, well, what do you do? And I said, I don't do anything. Like, I'm a lawyer and I have a big mouth. And they were like, why don't you come in? So I came in and I, I discussed how contract law is kind of like dating and how the Constitution is, well, maybe we can't say some of this stuff. <laughs> you, can say, no, you, you can say whatever can you want. Like, yeah. I talked about how like the way we explain contract law to 22-year-olds is by explaining how the law of promissory estoppel is just like the law of blowjobs. <laughs> Sometimes you can't start and not stop things. <laughs> So and now it. we just found the tagline for the article <laughs> that we're going to be writing. We've got our time. quote. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So they were like, "No, this is great. This should totally be on TV." And I'm like, "Yeah." And then they came. They filmed us. And then they sold it to Oprah. I have since learned this is they not just Hagen. sold it to Oprah. Yeah. And t- tell everybody what the show is called. The show was called Staten Island Law. Just everyone marinate on that for a second. Yeah, huh. it was on for one season. Um, and it was like a very cute little story of two friends, both women that worked together and use law for a positive uh for you know for positivity we went out it was sort of like super nanny but for lawyers so we would go to people's houses and solve their legal disputes so sometimes it was a landlord tenant dispute and other times it was like family law and sometimes it was a commercial dispute so and it was cool the clients were allowed to be shown on tv yeah they decided they were people who had real disputes and they came to us and we would explain to them like this is how the law would treat your dispute if you went to court so why don't you come to us and we'll like mediate it and fix it? So it was yeah. it was a sort of reality show. Yeah, right? it, was, it was absolutely it so followed us the whole thing. So did they when they shot it? Did they were they shooting these disputes as they unfold, or did they or you already knew what happened and then they re-recorded? The what dispute happened? was already going on, but yeah. it had not yet resolved. Yeah. So then they showed us meeting with the parties and kind of strong arming them into. <laughs> into resolving it. One of the things I always was curious about with reality television shows, in order to create drama, they, they cut, sometimes cut things to make it look like you'd have an interesting reaction to something or like yeah. you look surprised, but like you really weren't. Like how did they lo- so do that? I have to tell you what was really interesting and, and I had such respect for the producers of this particular show. Um, because we're attorneys, we were able to negotiate, and I say we because I had a business partner in the show, but we negotiated the right of uh, final editing Mm -hmm. for the show because I said, look, you can't have me. What if you edit it and it looks like I'm giving bad legal advice, like you can't do that. So I was able to see, and it was our show was totally legit. It was totally real. Everything that happened really happened. They did shoot these reaction shots at the end where we were like, oh, oh my God. And And then they would stick it in where it made sense. But for the most part, they didn't have to do that too much because it was so real that we were able to be there. These people were really angry with each other. Like it was a mother-daughter. The mother was going to throw her daughter out of the house. And we went in there and like, and I said to her, I said, you are sending your daughter to be setting her up to be in an abusive marriage. 
Like that's what you're doing. You're teaching your kid that when somebody loves them, this is what, how they treat them. Did you add anything because it was on TV? Or was that this is how I talk. This is how I would talk. No, this was how I was like this. I didn't even see understand. I didn't know what I was doing because right. I'd never been on TV before. So I had no <laughs> image or brand that I was trying to stay with. So I just said whatever. But the cameras are always on you. Like how does that work? They were pretty much always on us for. Like, we knew when we were getting filmed. It wasn't like it was a secret. Because they came to our house and they filmed us with our kids and stuff. And but they just are, it's always recording and that you capture Not always. It. But I mean, yeah, like for, for, you know, if we were filming for 12 hours, for those 12 hours, every single thing we did was, was on camera. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. It was <laughs> fantastic because, as you know, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> really? As, as, yeah. Like, like you guys, all right? If you like to be on camera, you like to be on camera. So it was like having like a studio audience with you everywhere. And I always knew that if I could get the camera guys to crack a smile, then whatever I said must have been pretty good. Yeah, that's the way. That so, so, so let's take a step back. You didn't have a traditional law career. You've been doing all these different things in TV and yeah. in books. or So growing up, like, were your did your parents have like an entrepreneurial spirit? Like I know they started yeah. some businesses, right? Yep. Is that what, did you know like you wouldn't be practicing law in a traditional way or? I did not know. Okay. I did not. So I am yeah. a fourth generation entrepreneur. I come from on both sides. Um, my grandparents were Italian and Greek immigrants. Everybody was in the grocery business. Yeah. My parents, they owned a photo shop. So yeah, I come from an entrepreneurial small business background. Um, and because of that, I 100% had a plan never to have my own small business, <laughs> okay? Because I saw my parents and they worked like crazy and I, right. you know, they raised me to just wanna be a professional and work for somebody else um, because it was a lot less risk. Yeah. And that was my plan. And when I came out of law school, I was a prosecutor for children's services in New York City and it was a spectacular job. It was so meaningful, it was hardworking and it, it, was, it was great, but it was no money. And eventually I had to give it up because I needed to move away when I got married. Mm -hmm. And I tried to do, I, I really gave it a good try working for somebody else. I tried. I worked for a big firm. It was prestigious. It was a lot of money. It was not fun. No. And I learned that I really can't do things that are not fun. Was it the hours, the work? What was it the worst? I part? didn't care about the hours. I would work 24 hours a day if it was, if I liked it. If you loved it. I, but I didn't love it because it was so boring. Yeah. What and were you doing? I was doing corporate litigation and high-end matrimonial boring divorce work. Mm. Um it, w it just seemed meaningless, honestly. And I had just come from a life and death job where I was literally handling children's lives who, if I stayed home sick from work, I might have sent a child back to a dangerous family. I mean, it was like the most meaningful work you could ever have. Mm -hmm. And then I took this job because I was young and you know, it seemed like it was a practical job. And it was like, you know, helping Citibank refinance shopping centers. Like it was so, it just didn't excite me. And it excites some people, it just didn't excite me. So for people who are like, hey, I wanna go into media, or I wanna be on TV, or I wanna have my own show, would you say that education, that idea of practicing for a few years is important to have? I, yeah, the, the education is absolutely, and, and one of the things that, that, that's a great question. And one of the things that really comes to me is, you know, if you're gonna, try to have a career in media, in any kind of media, which is, you know, there's so many options today in media. You have to know what you're talking about. That's really the key. So inadvertently, I had the best possible training ground to be a, a legal analyst because what I did after I left private practice was I started a business tutoring law to law school students. The only way to do that is to reread all the textbooks, to make lessons up for every subject, to be able to get a perfect score in the bar exam. Like, it was purely academic. And because I knew all that academic stuff, it made me be able to be flexible to move from topic to topic when someone asks me about it on TV. So it ended up being like this training ground to do this job that I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. But it, it really is about the knowledge. 
If you take the bar exam right now, could you pass it? I think I could. So you got a perfect score? I mean, I should be able to since I tutor it. Oh, so, you oh, you so, so you still do it? I, I do it, but only for very special clients. Yeah. So I, I don't do it on a large scale. I had a, a, wow. a big staff with my company. I don't do it as much anymore, so, but I always keep one or two students at a time. So you left you left a big firm, and is that when you started your own company? Is that it is. Yeah. So so I left a big firm. That must have been like a big risk going from that to... It was, to, yeah. it was yeah. a gigantic yeah. risk. Yeah. And I, I just knew that it was a bigger risk to stay because I just could... My life is fueled by my happiness. I can't see you behind a desk. No, it was miserable. It was totally <laughs> miserable. And, yeah. and it wasn't so much that it was behind a desk because I can work. I can really work. Yeah. The problem was... The, the formula to do well in that job was to have no personality. Oh, and no. and I, I couldn't fake it. And it wasn't even that I didn't want to. I would love to say, like, I just knew it was for me. I was horrible at it. That promissory stopple joke ain't working in that. Problem. No, like, I just couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't do it. So, um, so I left, and it was, like, real soul searching. And I said, listen, there's one thing that I know I'm good at. There's only one thing that I'm positive I'm good at. Flute. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. I said, I'm great at going to school. That is the one thing I've ever been really great at in my life. So I literally, I didn't even know what I was doing. The business had no name, no concept, no business plan. I went to Costco. The only investment that I made was $30 worth of frozen cookie dough. I baked 500 cookies. I wrapped them. Jesse, you were there. You were in law school when this was happening. Yeah. And you might not remember me, but I remember your face. So this was- You remember right? me at New York Law School. I remember you. I had already been in business for several right. years by the time you got there. because probably I'm had one of those cookies that you, you were I baked cookies. <laughs> and on the cookies- I put little tags that said, Panoyer got robbed. And I gave them to law school students and I said, listen, eat the cookie so that your mouth will be busy. And while your mouth is busy, I'm gonna teach you about whatever your homework is. So it's kind of like the drug dealer uh, business plan, right? You give it to them for free. And I, I told them what the cases meant. I told them what to say on their homework. I said, now go to class, tell me how you did. And they came back later, they said, oh, I did great. I totally understood what was happening in class. Can you do it again tomorrow? And I said, yes, and tomorrow you pay. What do you so think? So you gave him like a free trial, basically. I gave, it yeah. was, right. That's such a nice way to put it as opposed to drug dealing. Yeah, you give him a free trial and then, then, <laughs> do, then, do, then, do, then. Do, do you think it's like people that go to law school, they, the ones that have trouble, it's that they focus on the wrong things? Like why do they have a lot of trouble learning the subject? In my experience, the students that don't take really well to law school are the students who they can't prioritize. Mm -hmm. They can't, pri they're so busy trying to do everything that they can't figure out what was actually important about the case. What mm -hmm. was the point of it? And they're afraid to like ignore certain things. So it's just about as much, you guys know, like as much about knowing what to pay attention to as knowing what to ignore. So I think that in making it fun and making it lighthearted, it helped people really focus on what was, you know, really important about cases. And then we got them through that finish line. Do you recommend people go to law school? Do you recommend? Oh, the, that's, I mean, because you sound like you love law school. I love law school. I love law school. But do you recommend that people go to law school in, in 2019? It's so, almost 2020. I think it depends on who the person is, because many people ask me that question all the time. And here is my answer: You should go to law school if you're great at going to school. If going to school is a struggle for you, why would you do this? It's yeah. not. But easy. I feel like there's a lot of people who struggled in high school or college and then they get to law school and they get in line like i don't that, know that i would say a lot of people but so, or, or some people though this isn't the legally blonde i don't I, yeah. I was i was not right. one of those I'm i was always a, pretty good at going to school but i um, feel like yeah. if you're great like if you know that you can kick ass on a test yeah then then you should I, I also think that that what separates the people who do well from the people who don't do well in law school tends to be whether you're a performer like if if you're somebody where under pressure is where you work best go to law school 
Interesting. It doesn't surprise me that like you probably did great in law school. I did okay. Yeah. yeah, because you're somebody that knows how to bring it, right? Like when when the time is there. It depends. But I mean, but if you're somebody that freaks out under pressure, taking a three hour exam and having your whole grade on those three hours, that's not a good formula. Yeah, yeah. and also it's probably not good for life. Like I mean, the practice of law can be extremely stressful, and that and yeah, that's not good. You know, moving forward. Also, it's like being a dentist. Like most people are seeing you on their worst day. Right. Like yeah, people that's a good don't point. and they're that's not have, you've solved their problems, they're not grateful for it, then they gotta pay you. But you you agree there's a problem. Like we talked we had a uh, a subject a few weeks ago where we talked how do you make the practice of law more fun? Because the majority of people that you speak to who are strictly practicing law are miserable. They like, are. They're miserable. So how do you make it more fun. We talked about ways of maybe trying to get rid of the billable hour, maybe having that would help. maybe maybe <laughs> having maybe turning law offices into like Google or like you know where you have different like ping pong and ping pong jeans. video games. We talked about the idea of maybe you have a shared office space with like a fun company, like a PR company. Yeah. You guys that I love. I so I. Like, we, what do you think? So first of all, we got to get rid of the outfits because I, so I swear <laughs> when I think of the thing that I hate most about being in a law firm was the clothes because they were so uncomfortable. Because, like, women, you know, have to wear suits all the time. And, like, that sucks. Like, stockings. Like, nothing in stockings makes any How do we happen. not talk about that? That was one thing we didn't talk it's about. Literally it's literally, like, uncomfortable. it's miserable. Yeah. I mean, it's miserable. I, I took casual Fridays in my office, and I worked for a very large law firm. A little too casual. I was wearing sneakers and jeans. Like sneakers? High tops and, and like, a button. They, they, they must have liked you because they, the they were, like, they said they sent out a company email, like, so passive-aggressive. For casual Fridays, can you tuck in your shirt? Yeah, like to the whole right, company. Like, I, meanwhile, I've seen you casual, and like you casual still looks better than me. That's true. Like, it, ain't, it ain't no leopard, Laura. It ain't no leopard you're wearing today. It's like nice but, sneakers. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I like I actually people work best when they're comfortable, right? So that's and no one's comfortable in law firms. It's so it's such a stuffy environment. So that the environment I think is one thing, but I also think that for me, like I love the law. I love being a lawyer. I hate working in law firms mm -hmm. unless like I, you know I'm of counsel to some law firms now, and and I do legal work for private clients now. But the environment is entirely different. And, and I think you have to like who you work with. And I think that one of the, the key things for me that has always made the practice of law fun the way I can do it now is that I spend significant blocks of my time with non-lawyers. Because non-lawyers need to know about the law. The law is around all of us, right? So you can't live in this world and just ignore the law. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. But when you are the person that is bringing that important information to someone who needs it, you feel valuable. When you're working always with other people who already know it, I think it's natural to feel like you're not that important. You're just like a cog, you know, in a machine. And I think that the more you can get out in the world and be in the community and be with people who need what you have, that keeps it fun and exciting. Well, and I think also if you're around lawyers your whole day, you're around the same sort of person. I mean, there's yeah. different, but like having a mix of non-lawyers, yes. like, and especially in a, you know, a media company, it's all different types of people, engineers, well, and I, Right, and content. I'll tell you, like, when yeah. it comes to, one of the things that hooked me yeah. on dealing with media and entertainment is that no one does well in the media and entertainment world if they don't have a good personality. They, they just don't. Like, you, you, don't, you won't work in this world unless you have, and that's whether you're in front of the camera or behind it. I guess I'm the exception. <laughs> so I feel like being around those people, the energy is so high. Like these are great people. Like every lawyer should spend spend an afternoon not at a TV set because it's so much fun.
I mean, that's the thing. And it, that's why I guess you love doing the legal analyst stuff on the TV because you're teaching it to the masses. You're teaching yeah. it to the world. Sometimes the anchor is not a, a lawyer. Yeah. And you're teaching that. And they nod, they nod. They go, oh, that's interesting. And right. It could be like the simplest thing. And people love it. If they walk yeah. away with some nugget of information that now you've made their life, you know, but especially an anchor who's not a lawyer, then right. they can use what I taught them for the next guest. They love it. Isn't there a danger? Like, do you ever watch commentators on TV and you're saying, wow, they're lying? Or they're saying, oh, they just don't know what they're talking about. And you're you are literally speaking to the public. So how do you, do you see that? How do you avoid trying to make a mistake? How, because a lot of people, are, you can go on a show and they say, I want you to argue this view. I've yeah. always been trying to be objective. Like don't, if you're gonna go on, try to give both sides as best yeah. as you can. So what do you have to do? Because do you, I see sometimes, I'll watch somebody like, that just doesn't seem right. You know, I, I, I watch with a compassionate eye. I do, because you know, it, it can be nerve wracking. And I always think if I hear somebody say something really stupid, like maybe it's their first appearance ever, or maybe they were just like really nervous or they weren't prepped on that topic. Because I've been on, on shows where they switched the topic at the last minute and I really was unprepared for it and there was nothing I could have done to be more prepared. So I really, I try to be compassionate. But at the same time, you know, sometimes the bullshit level is so high that I can't ignore it. And it's when I see seasoned professionals on there just spewing out all kinds of nonsense. That's where I kind of feel like, really? Like, dude, what are you doing? There was a guy that I saw, and they're like, what do you think about this case? Best answer ever, right? He goes, well, you got the prosecution making one argument, you got the defense making <laughs> another. At the end of the day, it's going to be up to the jury. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, oh, okay. Thank you for that Thank brilliant you. insight. Thank you. I, I always like, I, I have a stock um, answer. I, I'm going to tell everyone this is my tell that if I'm unprepared or I didn't understand the question or I didn't understand what the host said or sometimes the host said something that doesn't actually make any sense um, when the host is not a lawyer. This never happens on Law and Crime, but it has happened in other places, honestly. Um, that I To give myself a little time to process what's happened, I just start by being outraged. I find that that always <laughs> works. If I say, that's outrageous, it gives it buys me about ten seconds, and I can figure out what the hell. I'm like you, it's a, a little buffer. You're like that's outrageous. I can't believe what I'm seeing. <laughs> now I didn't see this, and I I, I want to bring it up. I know it's a little sensitive, but uh, when we were in the law news days, you made an with appearance the Z. with the Z. You made an appearance on Tucker Carlson, and I got to give you credit. Oh yeah, that was great. That I remember was that. Yeah. Great television, but he was so rude to not only you. He was also rude to our network. Yeah. He was. And I have to tell you, like, I've seen a lot. Um, and and I've, I'm used to being a punching bag when I'm on places like Fox News and stuff. And sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's not. But I've never been in a situation until that day where someone insulted insulted me on a really professional level. Yeah. And insulted not only me but and my views, but insulted, like, the entire, you know, my entire employer. And I honestly didn't know what to do with it. It really shook me for a second. Did you, did you know he had an agenda before well, I mean, going to the Well, I mean, he's Tucker Carlson. Of well, course, he's got an agenda. Yeah. But, but the thing is, I mean, there, there are, like, unwritten rules, right? And, and the rules are that, you know, you push somebody, the host pushes the guest, and that's fine. I knew we would disagree on things, and I have no problem whatsoever with that. Um, you know, you're there to argue. You're not there to agree on everything. That's mm -hmm. okay. But, but when when a host gets stuck in a corner and doesn't really know what they're talking about and then says, well, you're not, you know, he, I, I know you write for a law website or something, like as if I'm either not a real lawyer or this is not a real thing. Um, what is exactly the comeback to that? And you it know? was about hate speech, right? He was saying there's no, who was saying there was no such, so what was it about? He, it was, yeah, it was about um, about censorship and about hate speech. And, and hate speech is not really a technical legal term. Um, it's, 
it's kind of a colloquialism that it refers to hateful speech that is doesn't fall into a category of unprotected speech. So generally, like as you know, we you guys know, shorthand will say, well, hate speech can be protected as long as it doesn't fall into one of the other unprotected categories. So I'm trying to explain, and this is not my opinion, like this is how it works, right? Like this is just how right. First Amendment law works. So I'm explaining it in like a very neutral place, and he was coming at me from like, well, it, it absolutely exists. And I was like, well, no, like that, you know, that what, you know, let me finish and you'll understand what I'm talking about because my explanation made sense. We weren't yet at the place that it made sense to disagree because what I was saying was just this is how it works. And um, and I, I think that that was honestly, I think it was really unprofessional of him. Did he say anything to you after? No, he wasn't there. He was um, via, he was via satellite. Yeah. But honestly, he was the rudest host I've ever been on on mm -hmm. television with. And, and it's, it's unusual because I've been on Fox many times and I've dealt with people who I have very different views from. I've never felt like personally disrespected. And was it based on an article that you wrote? Is that it what? It was based on yeah, an article. Yeah. So, so his booker found me because they read right. what was at the time Law News, right? And so he was like Law News or something, or whatever. Right, like as if like he didn't know. Well, like, she read it. Yeah. They were following us all the time, and it it was in fact the third time he had asked me to come on the show. I refused the first two times, but so clearly they were not only reading us, but they were following us and me specifically. So I feel like that's a bunch of bullshit. Like you don't say that to somebody. Yeah, it was. Uh, you handled yourself very well. Oh, thank given, you. Given what it was, it was a little stressful. No, I get it. I get it, especially in, with him and the national spotlight. Yeah, you defended it. yourself. Great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I tried. Yeah. yeah. So I like, I like it better when we're all friends. Like I want to all be friends. Yeah, that's <laughs> you what know, I do. It's tough in today's the environment. Everybody's just out yes, for everything's each other. a problem. Okay, so let me ask you this: if if you have a situation where somebody's like, okay, I want to practice law, then maybe we talked about ways to improve the profession, all that. But let's say somebody's like, I want to do something completely else with my law degree. I don't know what it is. I want to do something. What do you re recommend to those people? Go to law school and then like, what's the next step? Like sh what classes should they take or what should they be thinking about after? I don't think it matters at all what classes they take. I think it matters how much you know yourself and you know what you're good at. If you are somebody that is attracted to this profession because you love the academic portion of it, great, stay in that lane. There's plenty of opportunities. If you like business, then find a way to work it into business. But the thing about law is that by its nature, it affects everything and everyone in every aspect of every profession. So you can find a way to make law relevant no matter what you're interested in. If you're interested in being a kindergarten teacher, I guarantee you'll be better at it if you know the law. Um, you know, if you're interested in working in fashion or working in beauty, or it doesn't matter. There's always an avenue to use law because it's relevant to so much. Um, I think that the best piece of advice for budding new lawyers or potential law students is don't kid yourself because how many times have all of us heard, I'm just going to take this job so that, so that I can pay off loans, so that I can get something on my resume. And the so thating doesn't work. Like it just doesn't work. Do what you're good at. Do, you know, it doesn't, people say, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. Fuck that. Do what you're good at. <laughs> but be honest with yourself about what you're good at. If you're good at sitting behind a desk, go do it. But if you're if you're like me and you suck at doing that, like find something that you're good at doing. Yeah, and sometimes you don't know immediately too, so you have to try, try it out. It, and if you're not and you don't like it, then switch. Then leave. get out. Yeah. Like get out and you know follow every John Grisham book. The hero of every John Grisham story is that the guy leaves the practice. Yeah, but they're also in life and death situations, and I don't think you really want to be. In <laughs> I mean, preferably. Like, not. I don't want to. I don't want my firm murdering people. Right. But hey, who am I kidding? Just me. <laughs> so be. So follow what you're really great at. You're a great flutist. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, you've never even heard me play. I can only imagine. <laughs>
I am great at hair care. We all you know are this, great obviously. at hair care. And uh, you found a profession where that's relevant. Yeah. So, yeah, see? <laughs> like, win, win. Andrew, I mean, right, right here, two wit. Like, yeah, this is my yeah. advice. It's just my life. Anyway. Uh, I am great at applying sunscreen. Yeah, are you? Uh, yeah, really. Can I tell you to myself? Yeah. The um, the pilot episode of my reality <laughs> show had an entire scene devoted to proper application of sunscreen. Bro, well, when you're really pale and have freckles, like you need to be good. You have at to. It. I mean, yeah. th- right. So, so, have you been able to market that? Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> you know. But, I mean, class action suits against, you know. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Uh, label, yeah, right. firsthand experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. You could be the named plaintiff. Yeah. <laughs> see, you're, you're, so I, I see a new deal. We all bring something to the table. Exactly. How we can combine this into one product. I don't know, but this is just, we're just brainstorming yeah. right here. So. Um, okay, Alora, thank you so much for you coming You guys, on. this is so fun. Thanks. Come back soon. I'll come we, back yeah, soon. We can yeah. talk about one of you. I want to. I want to come back. I want you to come back, and we'll talk about like a Trump topic. Okay, I'll come yeah, back, and I'll be very opinionated. Law and crime has been. This is the first professional endeavor I have gotten involved with, where the name of the game is for me to show my opinion. Until this, I never was comfortable having it be a bad opinion. I've been more of an explainer and an academic. So like law and crime has opened up this whole avenue of me and my big mouth and my big opinion. And um, and it's fun. Turns out I like being opinionated. I love those opinions. I'm Keep happy to come. Yeah. Should, I, should I bring the flute next? Yes. That's how we're going to do the opening. We have music that starts the show from now. That's not going to be what, like no. that episode. It's yeah. just going to be you playing the. Flute. We we were we were t- uh, talking about forming a band of uh, of legal analysts. Can we? Here and it's going to be called Law and Oats. So you could be the newest <laughs> member. There you go. Please, yeah. I really really want to be in. The band. So I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Well, so. What are you playing? I, I was going to be saxophone. Do you play the sax? I'm not as good as you. Play the flute, I, I but, like. Yeah. I love this. I like getting all this deference. Yeah. You've never even been to a concert. Amba was gonna play drums, but then we found out that she's not as good as she, as she said. Right. Really? Yeah. She's a liar. What do you? Yeah. Play? You probably can sing. You have that nice baritone. Uh, no, I have. I don't I'm believe a, you. Harp. 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 <laughs> um, and that's. I can it. see that. No, just kidding. I can learn harp if I need to. I mean, how great would that be? Yeah. I play the harp. Oh, yeah. No big deal. <laughs> You can, that you know, would be amazing. I, I, you can see me performing in hotel lobbies <laughs> across, the, across the country. That would be great with the hair. You yeah. could be like the hair and yeah. the harp. Yeah. yeah. Look, wow. that's your band name. Yeah, you're the front man. Did you? Did we? That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I felt something. I hope we all did. Please, please, if there is a god, oh, you will wow. have. Hair I will come and I will guess hair and the harp. Hair and the harp. That's like that. I'm gonna be like the. Uh, who's the guy from uh, first season of American Idol? The guy that was like a one-hit wonder. Justin Guarini. That's gonna be me. I'm aiming for. Do you like that I had that right on the tip? Yeah, of my yeah. yeah, a bit concerning. But anyway, Alora, thank you. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Thanks. Bye, bye.